Thank you so much for joining us today for our LifePoint podcast. At LifePoint, we believe everyone's welcome, nobody's perfect, and with God, anything's possible. Hope you enjoy. Well, good morning, everybody. How are you in the room today? Yeah. So glad to see you. Those of you who are worshiping with us online, thank you guys so much. You are part of our family. Hey, would you guys help me welcome all those who are worshiping with with us online, watching with us. I feel like I should introduce myself. I'm Danny. I'm one of the pastors here, and I've been gone for five weeks. Uh, So if you don't know me... um, uh, I'd love to get to meet you. So thank you so much for being here. And I got to say a special thank you to Pastor Andy, Pastor John Meyer, who uh, preached, uh, Pastor Andy preached, I think, three or four times over the last couple of weeks. Well, five weeks. So yeah, fantastic. So grateful to those guys for stepping in, especially Pastor Andy. Uh, he's not probably preached that many times in a row. Uh, so thank you uh, for doing that. Uh, I also want to say a big thank you to our, our students, our interns. We do an internship program in the summer. I, don't, I think we had like 20 students this year. Some of them are sitting up here on the front row. Would you guys stand with me real quick? I want you guys to see. The, they just finished it up uh, this week. This was their last week. Yeah. Congratulations, you guys. There's more of them around the building. Thank You guys can be seated. Thank you so much for joining with us. Thank you, parents, for entrusting your students with us. And uh, during the summer, we use it as a developmental season, so uh, you'll see students here on the stage, you'll see them out on cameras, Uh, and because these students are not a part of some future church, they're part of the church right here, right now. They have a seat at our table uh, with with all of us, and we love them, and uh, one more time, give it up for them, give it up, that's kind of weak, that's kind of weak. I I just got to say this one thing, and we're going to jump into the message. Um, This past week, we had our Summer Blast, which is our kids' conference. Around 100 uh, uh, students, children rather, uh, both Tuesday and Wednesday night, uh, 100 each. And and it looked like 50 or 60 adult volunteers and student volunteers that made that thing go. They did an incredible job. It was a big success. It's our first time to do this. We're going to do it every summer. It's going to get bigger and bigger. And I want to say thank you to all of you. Would you guys, guys give them a big hand for all the hard work? Fantastic. Today we are wrapping up a series uh, that we've called Gym Class. Um, Jim, J-I-M, short for James. Uh, this is a teaching that we've been doing for, uh, through the book of James for nine weeks. Now today's the ninth week. This is the longest series we've actually ever uh, done before. James, just to catch you up, is the younger brother of Jesus. He watched Jesus. He followed Jesus. He didn't follow him at first. He didn't believe him in at first. But when, he, when you get resurrected from the dead, you start to believe. Can I get an amen, somebody? And, uh, and so he observed, he listened, he heard, and now he's, he's giving his sort of take on what he learned. And it's a very practical book. Um, it's like the, the, the book of Proverbs is in the Old Testament. James is to the New Testament. Very practical, very helpful. Here's how you watch your tongue. Here's how you uh, don't show favoritism or, or prejudice to people. It's all of these practical things. Here's what it looks like if you're going to go to heaven. You know, it's very practical. Uh, and then he makes a turn here at the end of chapter 5, the last chapter. And that's where we're at today. From practical things to a very deeply spiritual side of faith. And he starts talking about the power of prayer. And what's interesting throughout the teachings that we've been studying of James is that he's teaching us, uh, giving us advice, teaching us, commanding in some cases, how you and I can, some things that you and I can do um, to live 
live an authentic faith, to have an authentic faith, a sturdy faith that stands up. But he also knows, as anybody who's lived very long at all, that there are going to be some seasons in your life where there's nothing you can do. The thing is bigger than you. The thing you're facing, your family's facing, your marriage is facing, it's bigger than you. And there's a lot of seasons that we often don't realize are bigger than us, and we keep trying to do things ourselves. But there's going to be some times when even you, even me, when I know, if God doesn't insert himself into this situation, this is a hopeless situation. And this is what he's going to talk to us about. Prayer that makes the difference. In verses 13 through 18, which is what we're going to look at quickly, as quick as I can. He, he mentions the word prayer in all f- five verses, six verses. And, and in every case, he's talking about prayer. And I love the timing of God because here we are at the end of the series, and we're about to launch into 21 days of prayer starting tomorrow. Um, and I'm going to encourage you to jump in, man. If you can make it here from 7 to 8, Monday through Friday, or on our Saturdays where we're 9 to 10, if you can make it to any of that, do it. If you can't, just do it from home. Um, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be powerful. We believe that prayer is the difference. It's, it's the difference between um, what the, the best we can do and the best that God can do, right? Come on, and that's what we're going to see God do is, is move. Do you want to see God move in your schools, in your neighborhoods, at your job, in, in our city? Do you want to see God move? All right, so all six of you, we're going to make it happen. Come on, you guys ready? We're going to make it happen. Look at the text with me, verse uh, 13. He starts out, was, is anyone among you in trouble? Can I just have some show of hands for honest people? Anybody have any trouble in your life? Come on, yeah, it's a lot of us. He says, the best thing I can tell you to do is let them, what? Pray, right? Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil. Notice this, in the name of the Lord or in the name of of Jesus. There is real, there's no power in the name of Danny. Come on, somebody. I'll just tell you that straight up. I wish there were, there isn't. There's power in the name of Jesus to move mountains, to change things, to change worlds. God is able. Amen, somebody? And what I love about these three questions, if you're in trouble, if you're happy, if you're sick, is the answer in every case is to bring all of the good stuff in your life and all of the bad stuff to Jesus and either prayer or praise, there's an invitation that James is putting on the table here. And, and I think it's so significant that he, he, he mentions both prayer and praise because I think you could argue from the biblical text that nothing that you and I have access to as believers is more powerful than prayer or, or praise. And here he is combining the two. Like, like you want to know what to do when life has its ups and downs. I want you to get, James is saying, I want you to get down on your knees and pray. And after you've done that for a while, I want you to get back up on your feet and I want you to raise your hands to God in praise. And this is the key. This combination is a key to the kind of faith that will stand up through the tests of life. Now, I think James is teaching us that prayer starts with where you are. Are you in trouble? Are you happy? Are you sick? Start where you are. In other words, prayer is an an, an invitation to an authentic interaction with God about whatever is going on in your life, in your world. And here's what's so important about this. So often, depending if, now, some of you didn't grow up in a religious context. Some of you might have grown up like I did, which was deeply religious, where there was a lot of prayer going on. Um, we, we pray, sometimes we would, we would navigate away from our authentic selves 
and go to an almost in, in, inauthentic place. Maybe we changed our tone. Like you hear people and you're like praying and you're like, dude, you don't really talk like that. Can I, can anybody heard, know what I'm talking about? Like it's like th- then the words, they like start, they start speaking in King James English, you know what I'm saying? Does he, you know what, in King, King James is like the, one of the older translations of the Bible and there's a lot of these and thous. Matter of fact, we used to have this prayer room at the church that I grew up in and, and there was a guy that would pray there and he would start out every prayer because I couldn't, I don't, I, I was mostly listening to people's prayers in those days. Can I get a witness, somebody? And he'd be like, oh God, thou art a terrible God. And I'd be like, dude's about to get lightning bolted, you know. <laughs> now, he was just using King James language where it describes God as terrible and majestic and powerful and awe-inspiring. And I was like, God's got, got to be going, who is that dude? He doesn't, he doesn't talk like that. But, but sometimes we'll be drawn out of our authentic selves. And James is saying, hey, start with where you are and start with who you are. Just bring your authentic self into relationship with the God of the universe. It's, it's experiential because, see, there is, there is a theological part of, of our faith. There is a doctrinal part of our faith, which is yes, yes, yes to all of that. But there is also more. There is an emotional aspect, an experiential aspect uh, it's not just about our intellect. It's not just about gathering more knowledge. That's good. I'm not discounting dis, uh, that. It's about, however, it's about relating personally, authentically to the God of the universe. Amen, somebody? And I think if you see prayer and praise this way, it changes things. Prayer isn't just an obligation. It's not just a, a kind of a duty. Like I, I grew up again where... Where, where implicitly I interpreted things that I don't think were meant to be interpreted the way I interpreted them. But there would be preaching about how Jesus called the disciples uh, on the mountain, and he says, hey, what, couldn't you just pray with me for one hour? So that became the context. Well, prayer happens for one hour. And, dude, I'm ADD, bro. Like, after seven minutes, like, I'm, like, like, I'm positive that I should be on medications. I'm just not willing to take any more medications than I already take. Come on, can I get an Amen. So it's like after seven minutes, I'm like, squirrel, you know, squirrel. Um, and, and I know that your pastors shouldn't say that to you because you're like, pastors should pray for an hour like, and grow larger beards while they're praying <laughs> to be holy before the Lord, right? But honestly, I have to break my prayer time up into like, I need to sing a song now. Come on, I need to read some scriptures. I got to get my phone out. Oh, what's happening on Twitter? Oh, okay, back to the prayer. Like, like, I started to see it as a sense of drudgery and duty because I didn't understand that it's, it's just my time with God, my, my, my opportunity to spend time with God. See, and if we don't see God as the way Jesus described him as heavenly father, then we'll approach him in, in, in ways that aren't helpful. So, for instance, how you see, like, if you were to close your minds right now and I said, hey, I want you to picture what does God look like? I think it matters what your answer is. Like some of you will, will be like I grew up with where like, like Sistine Chapel, if you've ever been there, there's Michelangelo's painting and there's God up there and he's touching out with heaven but he's got a huge white beard and he's real old and he's wearing some robe and he's partially nude and it was like kind of like what, why, why isn't he fully clothed or whatever? I don't know why I said it that way. But, but anyway, it's like how do you picture God? And, and I've learned recently, I've really, really been thinking about this that I see God is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Psalm 23, I shall not want. By the way, next Sunday, we're going to go through the entire Psalm 23 and, and John 10, the good shepherd. We're going to go there for, for the next several weeks. 
How you view God matters to how you're going to relate to him. Does that make sense? So I think the question I have to ask myself is, how do I see God? Do I see God as Heavenly Father approachable? Like Hebrews says, we have access. We can come boldly to the throne of grace and find what? Find mercy there. Like he's not bitter, angry, out to get you. He's Heavenly Father. So, so back to the text. Is anybody in trouble? Anybody suffering? The, the word trouble is suffering. That's what it means. And it can be any kind of suffering, emotional, mental, physical, uh, spiritual, relational, financial, any category. James says, listen, whenever you're going through a bad stretch, the best I can tell you is to pray. I, I heard uh, Pastor Chris Hodges, who pastors uh, Church of the Highlands, he was talking about this very verse, and, and he gave a definition that I love, and I want to give it to you. It's his definition, but I'm going to give it to you. The difference between the best that I, prayer is the difference between the best that I can do and the best that God can do. How many of you realize there's a massive gap between the best that I can do and the best that God can do? So, so prayer fills the gap between my best, which is not enough, and God's best. So, so, so then if I don't pray, like if I don't make prayer part of my life, I, I'm basically saying, God, I, I've got this. I've got all, all the stuff that's happening around me. I got it. But listen, honestly, there are times when I simply am not enough and, and I don't got this. Sorry for the bad, poor grammar, but I don't got this. And so James says, and all of that stuff, go to, go to God. And what James is telling us is that come to God wherever you are. Prayer should be our first response, not our last resort. If you're sick, if you're in trouble, if you're happy, if you're sad, go to God. Just come, bring it in. Bring it in to God, the God who loves you, the God who can relate to you personally. And, and here's the pushback from some of you right now, um, maybe on those of you who are online right now, maybe you, here in the room, and, and I, I get the pushback, I promise you I get it. You're thinking, well, Danny, you know what, bro, I, I did pray. And I prayed for God to help me change the outcome of this situation that I'm, I'm in or I was in, and, and the best that I can tell, he didn't. So, so Danny, like, I want to believe you on this, I want to believe what James is saying here, but I'm struggling with this, if I'm being honest, because I haven't seen it work in my own life. So, so here's my response to that. First of all, if you've ever lost somebody and you prayed, man, my heart goes out to you. I promise you, I feel like I have compassion because I've done that. I prayed and it, God didn't show up the way I thought he should. But here's my response to that. Prayer is, is a muscle. Can I use it that way? And like any muscle, you have to work it out. And, and the older that I get, the longer it takes for me to work it out. Like, like it used to be when I was young, my wife used to say, you would do like six push-ups and then you would get pecs. And, and, then, and, and then now I can do 600 and I don't, I don't have pant, pecs. I, have, I can't say what I have. Um, <laughs> we're at church. <sighs> Sometimes there's a gap between the effort you're putting into when you're in the gym building a muscle and the time it actually takes to start to show up, yes or no? Right, And it's, it's in the gap that we can give up. It's in the gap where we can throw in the towel, so to speak. It's in the gap where if you're like me, we just go to Krispy Kreme and pound those bad boys. It's like it's not working, so I'm just going to do what I really want to do and kill myself through cholesterol problems. Come on. But you can't just say, I tried that, Danny, that one time, man, and, you know, it didn't happen. It didn't work. That's not how prayer works because it's in the gap Read the text. It's in the gap. It's in the middle between the prayers that we pray and the, the promises of, or the fulfillments of them that the real stuff grows in your life. And James has said that all the way through this book. 
And I love the Psalms for this reason. If you don't know the Psalms, they're a collection in the Old Testament of songs and of prayers and, and, and journal entries, if I, if I can use it that way, and oftentimes written from people who are in trouble, who are in suffering, who are sick, sick like James says, and, and they're in difficult situations. It's dark, they're, but these, these, these poems, this poetry is heartfelt, it's emotional, they're passionate. And it's like if I were to read some of them in modern trend, like, like Psalm 84, Sons of Korah, go read that. It's dark, man. It's like they're going, yo, yo, God, are you even there at all? Like, where are you? And you can feel that kind of tone throughout them. And, but what it is, is it's people who are sick and suffering and in trouble. Uh, and, 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 they're, and they're pouring out their hearts to God authentically. Because they realize he's God. He's the God of the universe. But sometimes, God, there's a gap between my prayer and, and, and your response to my prayer. And it's, it's in the gap that I get scared, God. It's in the, and it's in the gap where I get confused. It's, it's in the gap where I'm angry. They're not sure if you're there in the gap. And oftentimes you see these people are mourning and, and we're not comfortable with mourning. But you go to the Psalms and you see the examples of what it looks like to, to, to work it out, the prayer muscle. And, and sometimes you don't know what to say. And I would invite you to take one of these Psalms and just pray them aloud to God. And this is a way of working the muscle out. See, all of James has led up to this moment. All of James is designed to Build us a sturdy faith. Would you say that a, a sturdy faith? Because we saw last year and parts of this year that people didn't have a sturdy faith. So the moment of tribulation and trials, they walked away. They, they, they floated away. They were shaken and they, they fell away. We saw that. And so here now, we got to be the kind of people who plant our feet in the soil of God's word. And God's promises and God's truth and God's commandments. And, and, and we got to develop a sturdy faith. And this is how... It's done. Now, here's another point to all of this. Yeah, but Danny, you didn't answer the question. God didn't answer my prayers. I prayed the best that I knew how. But let me just say this. One of the beautiful truths about prayer is that God does not answer our prayers as we pray them or in the way that we pray them but he answers them as we would pray them if we were wiser. Can I, can I say that again? It's, it's a beautiful truth that God doesn't answer our prayers as we pray them, but as we would pray them if we were wiser, if we could see what he can see, if we could know what it is that he knows, but we can't see. And we don't know. So we have to pray in faith and trust God with the results. And I, I love the old country song because it's so true that some of the greatest gifts in life are unanswered prayers. And, and we trust God with the results even when it seems hopeless, even though the answers aren't seeming to come, even when they are, it feels like our prayers aren't working, we keep on and prayer becomes the difference between the best that I can do and the best that God can do. And this is what it means to walk by faith. I want to show you a passage, and I can't unpack it. I wish I could. I just want to read it to you because I believe it's going to blow up your faith if you'll receive it. This is from Paul writing in Romans chapter 4 about Abraham. 
That is what the scriptures mean when God told him, I have made you the father of many nations. You can read about this in Genesis. This happened because Abraham believed in the God who brings the dead back to life. Can you think of anything more hopeless than losing somebody you love? Like it's the end, except that sometimes with God it isn't the end because he's the God who brings the dead back to life. And then and Paul says, and he create, who creates new things out of what? Out of nothing. And then look on here. Even when there was no reason for hope because Abraham had a promise and then years passed. Even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham what? He kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God had said to him, that's how many descendants you will have, nations you will have. And Abraham's faith did not weaken even though at about 100 years of age. Come on, some of y'all feel that old today, but you're actually not. Can I get a witness, somebody? Even though at about 100 years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead. Like, no way he's going to crank out a kid now. And so was Sarah's womb. She was 90, ladies. Can you, can you imagine? Anyways, Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger. And in this, he brought glory to God. And then this, look at this. And he was fully convinced after all this time had passed, that God is able, can, can I just stop there? That God is able. And that God was able to do whatever he promises. And because of Abraham's faith, God counted him as righteous. What we learn here is that prayer puts my hopeless situation in the hands of an all-powerful God. So I want to tell you a story. For 20 plus years, I watched my mother. My sister's here. She'll, she'll say amen to this. I watched my, my mother pray day in, day out. I would hear her from her room praying. She was a woman and is a woman of deep, deep prayer. 20 years praying for my oldest brother who had wandered far away from God. Far away. He would tell you that far away from God. 20, maybe closer to 25 years. And, and for 20 20-something years, day after day, after day after day, I would hear her praying, God, please, bring, bring John back. God, please, I would hear her, and she would say it in her own way. And nothing happened for 20-plus years until one day on Mother's Day, ironically, up in a church in Indiana, he went back to church for the first time in maybe 20 years. And he gave his heart and his life back to Jesus and he's been going strong now for a lot of years. He's been going strong now for 20 years. But there were moments, I promise you, it seemed hopeless to my mother. It seemed impossible because of what was going on in, in his life. But she remembered that she serves the God who brings the dead back to life. James switches gears and he asks another question. Is anyone among you sick? See, he starts with you if, or if you're in trouble, if you're happy, you pray, you praise. And now in verse 14, he switches and he invites you to invite other people into your prayer circle. But listen to me, the onus is always going to be on you to pray. You can't go around with a big V and a cape saying, I'm the victim, the church didn't pray for me, the church didn't love me, they, didn't, they weren't my friend. Listen, it starts with you. You pray. Like if you're not praying... Uh, 
don't feel bad when other people don't pray either with you. Come on, somebody. But there is a, there is a call, James says, to call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And I want to spend some time. Are you sick? And, of course, he's talking physically. It might be a chronic condition. It might be an injury. It might be disease. Whatever the case is, if you're sick, if you know somebody who is, don't forget about Jesus. See, when Jesus was on the earth, what would happen is sick people would all go to him because he often healed them. Uh, oftentimes he healed them. And, and, and matter of fact, sometimes people were so sick that they couldn't come to Jesus. And I think that's even what James is referencing here. Like, if anybody's sick, let them call for the elders. Like, I can't even come to church. I can't even get there. I'm in the hospital. I'm at sick at home. Call for the, the elders. And, and so if the sick person couldn't get to Jesus, sometimes you'd see family, friends, bring them to Jesus, and Jesus would often heal them. And now that Jesus is in heaven... Um, sometimes we get sick, our people get sick, and we forget that Jesus still heals, that he's still alive, he's still ruling and reigning, he still hears and answers prayer, and he still heals people, amen, somebody. And you need to know this because at LifePoint, like I don't know what your background is, but here we absolutely fundamentally believe that Jesus still heals people. And there are people in this church that he has healed physically. And I would say medically, I am one of them, right? I have been personally and miraculously healed and stuff. But I also have some stuff that he hasn't healed yet. Like I, like I have a disease that hasn't been healed yet, but I, I've seen him heal. I've also seen him to say, for whatever reason, I'm not going to heal that right now. And there's a tension there that I've got to manage, between my, I've seen him move, but he's not moving at this point with this thing. There's a tension here. Our, our church has pastors, or, or the Bible would call them elders, and part of the great privilege that we have is to fulfill this command and to pray for the sick. And at any service, we have prayer partners in the back, uh, back there, um, and you could even come to the front if you wanted to. We, nobody's going to stop you from doing that. Uh, we'll have people ready to pray for you at the end of this service. And what James is describing here is biblical community, what it looks like in moments of suffering and sickness. You don't walk it alone. You invite other people in. And maybe you're at home and you can't invite other people in. You, 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 you put it in the chat room. Would you pray, pray for me? You send it in digitally. There are people who are going to pray for you. And as a matter of fact, out at Next Step Centrals, we have, have this card, Pray First, 21 Days. A prayer is happening, and it's perforated at the bottom, and you can tear it off if you don't want your, to, people to know who this is for. Or you can, it says, I'd like the LifePoint family to pray with me. And if you check that mark, over the next 21 days across this stage, except on Sundays, there are going to be these cards all across the stage. And there literally could be hundreds of people over the next 21 days who will pick this card up and be like, Lord, in Jesus' name, I pray for Danny. I know, God, his, his thing, this thing is happening in his life. And there's real power when we pray together like that. So you can do that. You can put, there's, a, there's a kiosk out there. You can drop it in. Like, like some people are like, well, I'm going to fill it out, but I'm going to hide it under my seat. And like if it's God's will, like, like it's not an Easter egg hunt. Just put it in the box, okay, everybody? <laughs> Sorry, I have a, something wrong with my brain. Um, listen, though, I, I think what James is describing here is, is, is the local church. And I know that there are really famous preachers out there in the world who have literally millions of people who watch them on TV and, and people who watch online. And, 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 and I know because some of them are absolutely mind-blowingly good. And some of you will say, well, man, you know, this guy's my, my pastor or this guy's my pastor or this guy's my pastor. What I would argue is that they're your preacher, but you're still going to need pastors in your life. 
So, so who are you going to call? Like, are you going to call Ghostbusters whenever you're in sick in the hospital? Like, I don't, I don't know why I said that. But it's, it's just there because it was so easy to say it. Um, anyways. But who are you going to call? You, you need people in your world. You need a community. You need a, you need a small group. You need somebody that you can call. Because you're not going to probably be able to call those brothers. They're, they're phenomenal. They're a gift to the body of Christ. You're probably not going to get to call them. You need to be part of a local community of faith and believers that you have, that you can do what James is saying here. And by the way, the elders in the church are not necessarily older people. Sometimes they are, but they're not necessarily older people in the church. They're just leaders in the church that we have great confidence in the power of their prayers. They're people, hear this, they're people who can have faith for you when your faith has run out. And they can say words over you when you don't have any more words to say. Anybody know what I'm saying right about now? That's what the elders are. That's who they are. And they're women and they're men and they're people, they're students. We just trust that they, are, they have a, a relationship with God and they can move the needle in prayer. Um, I, I, I gotta move quick. It says to do that, we anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord Jesus. And this would have been olive oil and it might have had a medicinal quality to, to it in, in that, that age. It might have had some sort of homeopathic quality. All the essential oil people say amen. Come on, right? I got some out in the car. If anybody needs it, you can raise your hands if you can want to sell some today. <laughs> I, I use some, just FYI. <clears throat> if nothing else, it smells really good. Can I get a witness? Just for the record, the Bible's not against medicine, okay? A hugely important part of the New Testament, Luke, and the book of Acts were written by a medical doctor. He was the personal physician of the Apostle Paul. And so it's not saying prayer versus medicine. The Bible tends to say prayer and medicine. Call your physician, but don't forget about the great physician who has all power in heaven and on earth. Can I get a witness to that, amen, somebody? So... The, the olive oil also represents a, a type of the Holy Spirit, always represents the Spirit of God. And so we literally will put olive oil on your head. Come on, we, we, this is what it says. We believe the word of God. And, and we will do that. If you, we don't always do that, but if you want that, that'll happen. And listen, what we're saying is, God, in the name of Jesus, we're inviting the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit to move supernaturally on this person and heal them in the name of Jesus. And there's power there. Come on, somebody, there's power there. And verse 15, the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. There's a lot here. I don't have time to get into it all. But here's how you know if someone has the prayer of faith, the, the, the kind of faith that can heal. Here's how you know they pray in faith for healing. Now, let me tell you why that's important. There are supernatural gifts that God gives to people in the body of Christ. And so some people will grow up thinking, this guy's got to pray for me. If this guy doesn't pray for me, if the senior pastor doesn't pray for me, then I'm not going to be made well. That's not what this says. It says call for the elders. Call for the people in the church that we know God. But, but, the, but the way you know that they have the, this, this gift of faith is that they're willing to pray over you in faith in the name of Jesus. It's not some... like. It's not superstars that get to do this. It's you and me. We, we together get to pray together and God will heal. Amen, somebody. Now, here's another thing. It says the Lord will raise them up. Now, I, I take from that two things. Number one, it's God who does the work. It's never the person. It's God who's going to do the work. It's the, 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 the miracles are going to be done by the power of the Holy Spirit. But, but here's the other part of that, that our prayers are not just said or uttered 
somewhere in the heavenlies, they are, they are heard and they are received. Because if the prayer is offered in faith, the Lord raises them up. How does the Lord know the prayer was prayed? Because he, he heard it. Amen, somebody? It's just practical. He heard it. God hears them. As a matter of fact, in the book of Psalms, it says that he hears and he records every prayer in his book. I don't know how that looks. He even says that he collects all of our tears that we cry in a bottle. Like, I don't know how that works, but, but, but that's what's happening here is a God who hears and who responds. Now, the issue is why doesn't God heal every time? The answer from me, I don't know. You're welcome. Go in peace. <laughs> I don't know. But I do know this. God is fundamentally good. And I, whether I understand it or not, God always does the right thing. Always. And I don't understand it, but maybe someday on the other side I get to understand it. But, but his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. The Bible says he's other than us in ways that are literally incomprehensible. And you have to have some kind of comfort level that God knows. God sees even when he's not responding the way I want him to. That's what it means to walk by faith and not by sight. If I just go by sight, then hope is gone. I walk by faith. Listen, we have a prayer box out there. Put a card in it. Let people pray over you. It seems like he changed the subject here in verse 16. I think he's just extending healing beyond physical things. He says, therefore, in light of what everything you've heard, confess your sins to whom? To each other. And pray for each other so that you may be what? Now, I don't think he's talking about physical healing now. I think he's talking about emotional healing, healing from the past, healing from the hurts, the habits, the hang-ups of life. This is what I think he's talking about here. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and what? Effective. So in verse 15, it says, God will forgive our sin. First John 1, 9, it says that when we sin, if we confess our sins to God, he is faithful and just and he will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. But James is saying something else here. You confess to God your sins for the forgiveness of your sins. You bring your worst way to other people so that you can find healing from your hurts and your habits and your shame and your pain. There's something about saying to somebody that you trust, here's the thing that I've been hiding in the darkness, that when you bring it into the light, God begins a process of healing in your life that honestly can happen no other way. Confess your sins to one another. Now, this has been used to, to, to start a, a whole movement where you go to some individual person, uh, maybe in a booth somewhere, and I'm not discounting the value of that at all, but I don't think this is what it's saying. Because it doesn't say go to your priest, it says go to somebody. Maybe it's in somebody in your small group. Maybe, it's, maybe it is your pastor. Maybe it is your priest. But it doesn't have to be that way. I don't believe it has to be that way. I don't think that's what James is saying here. So here's the truth. God has Jesus on the cross dealt with the penalty and, and the punishment of your sins once and for all. But listen, there is a drain. There is some pain associated with our past that often lingers we are saved, we are going to heaven, but we are still being drained from the past. And James says the way to start this process of healing is to bring that into the light and tell somebody, this is where I'm hurting, this is where I'm broken, this is where I'm struggling. And you can't do that in this room. You need a group, you need a smaller group. You need people, that's why we do groups. This is the fundamental reason why we do groups. Some of you 
are in denial about your stuff. Like, Danny, I can handle this. Some of you are grown-ups, like, for a long time. I, I got this. C can I just be honest without trying to hurt your feelings? Some of you have been trying to conquer the same issue since you were a teenager, and you still have it, and yet you still keep saying, I don't need to tell anybody about this. Are you serious? You think you're going to just someday magically wake up and that issue's going to go away? Come on, man, that's foolishness. Bring it into the light. The psalmist says in Psalm 32, when I kept silent, this is David, when he kept silent about his sin, he says, my bones wasted away through my groanings all day long, through the torment, the anguish, the inner torment of not dealing with his past. For, for day and night your hand was heavy on me, my strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. This is why James says, confess your sins to one another so you can find healing and you find freedom. We, we do life groups and every year, every season, we do groups. They're getting ready to start here in a few weeks. We do groups called freedom groups. I, um, I want to just tell you that if you've never been through a freedom group, it will change your life. We, they're 12 weeks long. I think they're starting real soon, uh, the culmination of which is a conference that we've always gone to other churches to attend. This year, we're going to do our own Freedom Conference right here at the end of this thing. And, and, and listen, is there anyone in this room that's ever been to Freedom Conferences? Would you raise your hands? Yeah, a lot of you have. It's a game changer. It's an absolute game changer. I'm pleading with you. If you're, if you're groaning, if you're struggling with the past, with the hurts, the habits go through freedom, it'll change your life. Don't just go through freedom. Go through freedom and then go to the Freedom Conference. It's revolutionary. I promise you, it will change your life. The last line of verse 16, I'm not even gonna finish this message. I, I'm over. He says, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Now see, some of you are gonna say, well, Danny, that leaves me out because I'm not a righteous person. Have you trusted Jesus as Lord and Savior? Have you asked him to forgive your sins? If you have, according to the scriptures, because the Bible says in Corinthians that he who knew no sin became sin for us, that in him we might become the righteousness of God so that when you say to Jesus, I, I, I want you to be the forgiver of my sins, I want you to be the Lord of my life, God, I'm imperfect, I'm broken, I'm asking you to, to take all of me. The moment that you do that, your account gets emptied, all of the sin, all of the baggage, all of the, the pain, it gets dumped out and in its place comes the righteousness of Christ. Do you understand that? The righteousness of Christ gets applied to your life. So then you are the kind of person who can be the person who prays of the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Your prayers can change reality. Here's the thing. The caveat is you need to be prepared to know that the reality he changes might actually be inside of you not outside of you. Danny, I don't want to do that thing you want me to do. I want to do something inside of you that's way more significant. Last illustration here. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. Elijah, so, so if you were to talk to Jewish people, they would be like, uh, of course, Abraham, and then, but really it would be Elijah and Moses. Mount Transfiguration, Elijah and Moses, right? They're like, woo, Superman, Elijah and Moses. And, and James is like, 
Yeah, about that. Elijah was a human being just like we are. So if you read the story of Elijah, there are super high highs where he's like, like defeating the prophets of Baal. He, he's, he's, he's out running chariots. He's doing incre- crazy things. And there's other times where he's like, gets, gets sad and, and wants to die. God, kill me, he says. His life is full of ups and downs just like your life and mine. But when it came time, the prayer of a righteous man, Elijah, Avail was effective. He prayed that it wouldn't rain, and then it rained. Uh, I mean, it didn't rain for three and a half years. Then he said, all right, I'm ready for it to rain, and it rained. So like here, it's still going, because it's like from April till like right now, it's just been raining in San Antonio. It's still going. That's how awesome Elijah was. And what James is saying, I'm just kidding. And what James is saying is, listen, it's no different for you. You are righteous because of what Jesus has done in your heart and life. And when you pray, God hears, God responds. It may not be the way you think it is. It may not be immediate, but listen, he, he hears and, and he responds. And what James is saying is you're gonna be tempted to feel like because your, your situation doesn't change and it feels hopeless and it feels helpless, you're gonna be tempted to say, I quit, I'm not gonna pray anymore. And James' point is this, don't ever discount prayer. Don't ever underestimate the power of prayer. Don't stop praying, don't quit, don't give up. Never give up on prayer because it can change reality. Amen, somebody. Father, thank you for the word of the Lord. Thank you for the book of James. God, we've learned so much uh, through these nine weeks about how to live practically. But today, I think this is the quintessential part of this, that prayer changes things. God, I'm inviting people through your word, God, to join us for 21 days of prayer God, as we we press in, that you would heal our land, that you would forgive us our sins, that you would turn our country uh, towards you and turn our neighborhoods and our communities and our workplaces back towards you. I pray, God, that you would move powerfully and supernaturally, God, over the next few days, these few weeks. Make make it happen, God. I, I pray that prayer would become our first response and not our last resort. I'm praying that people who are here in this room who have medical issues and physical issues and spiritual issues and financial issues and relational issues, that they wouldn't just sort of wring their hands and give up, but that they would start to turn their face back towards you. Maybe some of us have stopped praying because it just seemed like it wasn't working. God, would you inspire us today through your word to turn our hearts, our faces back towards you. It's in the process of prayer that you begin to move, that you begin to move mountains, that you begin to change hearts and you change lives. We've seen it happen, God. We pray that it would happen again. And Lord, we're just asking for people who have not yet bowed the knee to you, Lord, in this room today, online, wherever they are, God, that they would just surrender their hearts and their lives, Lord, that they would be the kind of people who would say, I want to be righteous by what Jesus did for me on the cross. I believe that Jesus died on the cross, but I also believe that he rose again, and I confess that with my mouth, and I believe that in my heart, and and then I become, I, I am made right with God. I want that in my life, Lord. I pray that over people right now in the name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said a good, good amen. 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 Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If this ministry has impacted you in any way and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, please visit lifepointsa.com slash give to make a donation. We hope you have a great rest of your week and we hope to see you soon at one of our Sunday worship experiences. God bless.